Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Feed for Service Dentist podcast. Our guest today, Dr. David Esham. David's a local practicing doctor in San Diego, California, the Feed for Service practice for many years. Bit like myself, it's got a few gray hairs too. It's kind of cool. Going to talk a little bit, or a lot of bit actually, about the book Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith. It's a 1997 book, but it couldn't be more appropriate even today. Talk about the many things and the many aspects and how even literally almost almost 30 years later, you, you read that book and you still pick up new things and techniques to help us help our patients provide them a great service and provide our team with a great culture and a great environment. As always, the Feed for Service Dentist podcast brought to you by Kettenbach. Kettenbach, imagine one product for every cementation protocol. It's now available. It's a hydrophilic adhesive cement and a hydrophobic core buildup material. So the name is Semcore, the Salus Semcore. Pick it up today. Contact Kettenbach, where they have a team of representatives that can visit your office, explain products, person to person, the old fashioned way, and I love it. You can call them at 877-532-2123 or visit kettenbach-dent.us. If you like it, hit subscribe, share it with your friends. We appreciate that very much. That's how we grow this thing and that's how we get our message to inform all of our dentists, brothers and sisters around the world. My name is Drew Burns and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spear. And we have an old friend with us today, Dr. David Esham from San Diego. David's run a fee-for-service practice for many years. 
And I like that many years because that usually means we're in the same category. (laughs) (laughs) I think we are. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice. It's good. So he kind of, David reached out to me and said, listen, I've read this book. I'm reading this book. I think it'll be really appropriate to share with our audience. And I couldn't agree more. And it's the book called Selling the Invisible. It's 1997 by Harry Beckwith. And David's funny. He sends me the notes. He goes, I'll just send you some notes. About 15 pages he makes on the book. So (laughs) you can believe that it had an impact on him. And he's listened to it and read it. So first of all, let's welcome David to the show. How are we doing today, Dave? How are you doing, man? Doing doing very good, Sonny. Thank you for having me on. And I don't mean to scare the audience with, you know, a book and let's have a book club and all that. But, you know, when you're in our field and in our subsection of the field being fee for service, you're always looking for things to improve your practice. And I read this book maybe 10 years ago. And then um, somebody mentioned it again. So I go, oh, I'll, I'll look at it again. And then all of a sudden, wow, it's just like, oh, there's all these things I missed. Um, so well, you know, don't I you think you're taking just, notes and, and yeah, bringing them to my practice. You're just at a different point, though, right? And, and different things hit you. I, I mean, I, I hate to say this, you know, is similar. But the other night I'm sitting down, I said, I'll put a movie on. I put on Purple Rain. And I was a sophomore in college when that movie came out and prince was was the new rage and then i watched the movie and it hit me completely differently this time and i, yeah, I couldn't exactly move, couldn't walk away from it so I, I don't know if purple rain is a better subject or selling the invisible but we're going to talk about selling the invisible <laughs> so start out so you read it a long time ago you said do you mm-hmm. remember what the impacts were when you first read it yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, it was uh, effectual in the sense that, you know, as a fee for service practice, you have to sell yourself, but you do the exact same thing other dentists do across the street. And so you have to be able to sell your benefits, which are basically invisible to your patients until they meet you, hear you, see you, feel you thing. Right. So, so that's, you know, that's where, that's where it applied, but coming back to it, there's just like your purple rain. I saw so many other things that, uh, that, that hit me, that really hit me. You want to, can I give you, can you give me a top three or five right off the top of your head? Oh, absolutely. The, the, the first thing that, that I did, there was a spot and it's in it's in the notes on page 97 no i'm just teasing you (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking down (laughs) it's like you know like like you know a lot of people ask me who does your marketing who does your marketing right or are you happy with who does your marketing and and the big thing is like usually it's the dentist and they think okay well i do my own marketing but that's not correct you know, as a dentist to say that because everybody in your office does your marketing because everyone that talks to a patient, treats a patient, cleans the teeth for the patient, answers the phone for the patient, uh, seats the patient, they are all on your marketing department. And, And the way they affect your patients is how well you're marketed because uh, you have to be excellent and and thorough in in all of those phases 
for your patient to feel good about you first and then feel so good about you that they'll send other people in. And so that's the replacement marketing that you have to do before you drop insurance companies because you have to be that good and you have to know you're that good. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. The funny story that, that, that reminds me of is Disney, right? Disney, when you go to Disney, they had set up these, they, they had a lot of people ask questions about where to go, what to do. So they set up, their answer was, let's set up all these information booths. So to me, the analogy is, well, let's set up a marketing department. Well, that's marketing. That's the marketing person. And they found out people were asking the street sweepers. <laughs> and they wanted oh, the street know. sweepers to direct the people to the information booths. And then they said, the hell with the information booths. Let's make our street sweepers our ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And they're our information guys. And, I, and it just really fits with what you're saying. No one is not your ambassador or your public person, marketing, whatever you want to use, but your representative of who you are as an office. So that, right. that to me comes right down to culture. I, I love that. I love yeah, that. no, and everybody has to understand that. And I can tell you, you know, practicing as long as I have over 30 years, I've never brought that to my my team as a team meeting or in a in a uh, morning huddle. But when I read that part of the book, you know, the next week, you know, I asked them, do you know who does the marketing for our office? You know, you know, you know, a trick question. And they go, well, I don't know. I don't know. And I go, well, you guys do. Because you have you treat the patients, you talk to the patients, you have to not only help them, but you also have to communicate the differences in what we do that other offices may not do. Right. And and then that they understand and they see, just like the book says, the invisible. And the value that that provides. You're not correct. You know, I just spoke to a young dentist and he used this term and this is the first time I ever heard it and it blew me away. He's still involved with some PPO, some insurance companies, and he's gradually getting out of the process, process of getting out. And he says, when you get rid of an insurance group or you get, let's get rid of insurance X and that person immediately leaves you, they were a patient of insurance X not a patient of yours. And Mm -hmm. then I've never heard anybody use that terminology before. And it kind of knocked me off my socks. I was like, holy cow, does that make sense? And this is to your point, your marketing people, or quite honestly, just flat out the people that you work with every day are then able to convey the why you're a patient of ours. Correct. You know, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so, you know, so this is for someone who's either starting a fee-for-service practice or wanting to convert their fee-for-service practice or even someone like me that, you know, I always need to be sharpening my sword, you know, 
Yeah, what were some of the things that you took from that? Like you personally know that person in your office, in your chair, what are some changes that you'll make now that you know that you're also the ambassador? Well, I mean, I, I, at least I knew I was the marketing department, but, right. but no, they're just, there's lots of things. And so, you know, um, you know, just understanding that, you know, service is not a thing, you know, like if you're going to go buy a car, you know what you're going to get. If you're going to go buy a TV, you know what you're going to get. But when you come into the office, you know, you're going to be there for dentistry, but really what's going to set that patient apart is your service because they can't really evaluate your dentistry. And so how they're treated and how they feel and whether they develop a sense of trust is so important. So that that's what I bring in that uh, every time I come into the operatory is that I'm here to help my patient with information about what c- can help them. And if I give that information in a way that they understand, I know they're gonna get healthier or or get prettier or get their teeth straighter so, so go ahead that's the thing is there's it's not a product you, it's an invisible thing mm-hmm. so you had this meeting you talked to your staff you talked to your team about the marketing is is us were there any changes that then resulted in like let's just take hygienists how about hygiene okay i think that was part of my notes here we go was there something so, that all of a sudden now that so, they well, we should do this. Yeah. So, you know, the same with the hygienist, you know, it, it, we talked about, well, well, how are we greeting the patient? Are, are we, you know, and it's touch points. All this is touch points, too. And That's a good point. Yep. Touch points. touch points. Yep. You know, it, she comes out and, you know, my hygienist is, is amazing, even though she might be having a bad day at home. You know, she never brings it to the office and she comes so all the way all the way to the patient to, you know, say, hey, come on back rather than call them from, you know, behind the door, just sticking her head out, you know, uh, we don't have a door, but, you know, down the hall. So, um, you know, doing that. And then she always has something to um, to remember, you know, she has notes on something to remember about them that they were doing as the last time they were there. And and that's that is is so nice. And then she always breaks into a certain time. Well, hey, I really want to let you know that this area, this area is why I have you come back, you know, at six months or three months or four months is because these areas have to be cleaned, you know, professionally. You can't possibly get them all so that the patient knows why they're coming back all the time. So we talked about all that. And then then we also talked about how we handed them off and then one of the things that came from the book was you want to like compliment the person you're handing them off to you know you want to say oh well cynthia you know she is so good at working with your schedule so i'm going to have her do your schedule for you with your next appointment Mm -hmm. or um you know here's joanne and she's going to take your x-rays and she's really good at x-rays and so she's going to take your x-rays too. So as we're handing people off, we talked about complimenting the person that's taking over for you. The Doc Sites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service, starting at only $59 a month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help increase your online visibility. 
for special offers, including up to 25% off your website setup. Text fee for service to 818-489-9823. 818-489-9823. This is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings and visit DocSites for more information. Take take an example, patients in the chair, and your hygienist goes, okay, now you're going to go see Bob, right? Or uh-huh. or they're going to say, guess you're going you're gonna to go see Bob, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just a completely different, same exact words, but it's a different presentation. And, and I, I always try to talk to them about, you know, just, just put a smile behind most of the things that you say. And mm-hmm. I find that, that be, that's an infectious thing. And you people, there's laughter, there's, you know, there's joking. And, and, and when you, I think when you walk into a place of joy or laughter, it just really leaves a mark on you. And yeah. that doesn't come from scraping teeth or putting holes in teeth and, you know, ripping teeth out. It, it comes from really the com- culture that's in the office. Now, when, when you, you talked about the handoff, now, let's take it the next step, or the before that. When you do your examination on that patient, have you made some changes from the result of this? You know, I'm, well, I, I none that jump out at me, Sonny, because okay. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty anal about it. Yeah. Anal about how I do my exams and, and what I say, and I've worked a lot on what I say. But, you know, one of the, one of the things I do with a new patient exam that I think would help a lot of people and uh, uh, with their exams too in in trying to be more comprehensive or to bring up topics that uh you know may not be as comfortable for them like you know implants or comprehensive dentistry or cosmetic dentistry mm-hmm. is that I'm always asking permission and so I start out with the easy permission as Ooh. like you know, so uh, Mrs. Smith, today we're going to take a look at your teeth and I'm going to evaluate your x-rays. And I assume if I see something that is unhealthy or a cavity, you know, you'd want me to tell you about it. And then I stop and let them answer that. And they usually obviously say yes, or they say, that's what I came here for. And then after that, I ask permission again. I go, well, if I see something that um, can improve your smile, would you want me to tell you about that also? And I wait and let them answer. Mm-hmm. And then 95% of the time, you know, 99% of the time they say yes. Or um, you, if you're not a cosmetic dentist, like if, if you're not that cosmetic oriented, you would say, well, if I see something that, that would break in the future and um, we should do something about it now to save you the trouble, would you want me to tell you about that? And then it kind of opens the door for you to talk about things that may not be so you know, cavity gum oriented. Yeah. How long and did so, it take you to get to that? You didn't start that way. I can, I can probably get No, I didn't know. Uh, I took a lot of Frank Spears uh, stuff, all of his stuff. Uh-huh. I took it years ago and he, he, he said that. And I go, I'm trying to be a cosmetic dentist. I'm trying to bring up how to improve somebody's smile, but from a, general dentist standpoint to that, you know, how do I get there without saying, Hey, your smile looks ugly and we could do something about it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how some of the cosmetic dentists did it, you know, back in the day is that yes. they would have this personality that they could say something as rude as that, in my opinion, but still the patient would would respond to him. Respond. Yeah, very, very, very assuming, almost condescending. I, 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 I yeah. can't. Sorry, those 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 don't come out of my mouth. They're very hard. I can't do no, that. No, and they would never mind. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, so that's that's one. What were some of the other top things that you that you picked up? Absolutely. Let's go down the list. Yeah. Marketing so you know, again, what what we a lot think a lot about, and what I've explained to my team, you know, after reading this book was. You know, we think the patient comes into our office for a filling or for a clean, uh, cleaning or a crown or yeah. a veneer. But, you know, really the, the what they're coming to our office for is a trusting relationship. And so what we're selling to them is, is a home with a trusting relationship, trusting that we will treat them in a comfortable and ethical manner. And, and take their mouth and their health seriously to make sure that they don't experience any things that they could have prevented. And so uh, we went over that as to what's most important for us is to keep our relationship with our patients and, and, and not take that for granted. Because if someone doesn't trust you or they don't feel like they're in a relationship with you. Any little thing could take them away from your office. Okay. So that was that was a big thing. And so our, our battle is to win not patients from other offices or whatever, but it's to win the battle of developing a relationship and listening to them and getting to know them and then remembering them. So the invisible there is the relationship. Correct. And it's a deeper, deeper thing that you're selling rather than a a filling or a, a cleaning, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. So all right. Cooking, keep going. All right. So um the other thing is, is that um they brought up is you know, you know, make your patients aware of your technology. You know, and there's so much technology in dentistry that we take for granted, like digital x-rays. But I'm not sure that all patients have heard about what the benefits are of the digital x-rays and how little radiation there is in them and how much a doctor could see from something as simple as that. So, you know, I have this assistant that is, is just, you know, she's a talker you know, and she loves talking to patients. And so the whole time she's setting up to take x-rays, she's telling them about the x-rays and, you know, how little the radiation there is and that the doctor is going to look at them and she can change the magnification. She can change the brightness and contrast. And then that way we can see things, you know, before they get big. And sometimes, you know, assistants will just take their, they're taking x-rays for granted and that the patient knows everything about that. And and they don't, you know, they're, they're not there every day like we are. So it's things like that. It's things like, Hey, if you have a CBCT in your office, tell them the type of X-ray that is it's, it's not two dimensional, it's three dimensional, 
dimensional. If you do digital photography, tell them about that. If you do smile imaging, tell them about that. In office, in our office, we use warm injection molded composite, and we tell them about that and why that we feel that that's better. Mm-hmm. But the whole office has to has their own little their own little spots to really inform and impress the patient at the same time in um in an invisible way really okay i think to me if i sum that part up and i really like that that really jogged something for me actually that was a nice little pearl for me is it's almost like tell show do you you know you're telling the patient you're kind of showing them but you just you're not in a rut because you're right you get you can get to the point where i'm going to take a set of films that's a bunch of x-rays x-rays you know you know it's versus this is really cool and that's that's that smile that's that infectiousness that comes across and over explaining something but it's not it's the first time that person's heard it maybe ever so it goes very very possibly ever even though they might have had you know those kind of x-rays taken you know several times before this office is thorough you know thorough yeah and they know what they're doing and they ha- they're doing it for a reason, you know? Yeah. So, so did, did, let me ask you this. Now you said you started talking about this a little bit at Tuttle's and meetings. Well, did any of your team kind of go, Oh, like you said, your assistant does it. We got to mimic a little more of what Diana's doing. Oh. Was that part of the conversation or how did that conversation, of course, you know, like with, with Rebecca who happened to be that, that assistant at the time, you know, I, I, I told the team that, you know, I was listening to Rebecca and oh my God, that she like, she just like hit a home run. Yeah. You know, she was talking to this patient and she told him about the x-rays and she told him she wasn't going to hurt them, but if there was something pinching to let her know and that the doctor's going to look at them and, and it, with her, with the patient, so they'll understand them too. And yeah. And so, um, not that I wanted to put anybody else down in the office, but I wanted to use that as an example is that, hey, you know, we can all up our game here but with the little things that we do, and it all makes everything better. I, I love this statement. I'm going to read it to you. Don't let perfect ruin good. The path to perfection leads to procrastination. Let's talk a little bit about that. Happy to because because I, I I see that right. It's analysis to paralysis is my favorite word. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Well, you know I I see that in me, in that you know I've you know wanted to do you know there's a few things I wanted to do but you know I didn't do them because you know I couldn't do it exactly like uh, endodontist so to speak. But that doesn't keep me from doing root canals. You know, just because I can't get a little puff out of a side root, mm-hmm. but the only the only way to get better is is to do them, find out how they get that little puff out of the side root, and then do it. But that doesn't mean you don't do root canals for your patients, right? You know, the same with you know cosmetic dentistry. You know, just because yours doesn't look perfect doesn't mean you shouldn't post it. You know, if if the patient was happy with it and you were happy with it, then you know, post it. Because it's not your peers that are your patients. Yeah. It's your it's your patients are the ones that judge you. The peers don't judge you. That they'll judge you, but they don't they don't give wait, you wait, money. Wait. 
<laughs> your peers don't judge you. <laughs> no, oh, I'm sorry. They, they are sorry about that, but that's not true. But, but the, the, the peers don't pay you. So it doesn't matter what, the, what, the, what they're judging. Huge difference. Huge difference. Yes, I, yes. I sometimes put some stuff on dental clinical pearls and they're just basic things. And it's almost like, Oh, you poke the bear. Here we go. And people go crazy. I'm like, no, this is normal dentistry. And if it nothing is. else, some of the younger dentists are like, Oh, my stuff looks like that. Yeah, it should. You know, it's not rocket science. You can do this. It's not. Yeah. I mean, you can do something more conservative, like an onlay or an overlay, yep. you know, and, and it, it you can maybe see the margin line because the color isn't exactly the same as the rest of the tooth, but it served the patient well by saving them tooth structure. And it looked good to you. And it's something you can tell patients that, hey, we don't just willy nilly grind your teeth down here. We think about what we're going to do and what we're going to make strong stronger and we only take the two structure we need to do that yeah. again another invisible thing that people never know about unless you talk about that's great stuff that's really good stuff all right i like that what's what's the next one what's the next point you thought was big um you know he talked about this thing uh on it's called the re recency recency effect Recency so, effect. Okay. Recency effect. You know, that the last company to present, you know, these these architectural drawings to build the new library in your town usually is the one that gets gets the the project. And so the, a lot of patients come to us maybe for a second opinion, or maybe they're not telling you you're doing a second opinion, but it's really important to follow up with those with those uh, patients because if they did do a second opinion and you sent them a thank you note for coming in and they have any other questions please give us a call we're always here to help um you know that is the most recent contact they've had and they're more than likely going to pick you to do their work so so, so explain that again so the person comes to you initially so the person could come to me as a second opinion. Okay. I always like to be the, you know, the last person for them to see, but you can't always guarantee that, right? No, no, or, I get you. I get you. So you're so, or you may not even know and they may not even tell you, well, hey, I'm going to get a second opinion and go somewhere else or see what somebody else thinks about this. That if you contact them with a thank you note and a offer to answer any any questions that they have then that you've touched them the most recently, Who even does? if they had seen another doctor after you. And Who so does? that's more than likely going to give you the edge on getting the case. So practically speaking, do you, are you doing that in your office or someone doing that? We, we, well, I don't do that myself, but my front office will send them a handwritten note mm -hmm. after a new patient has come in. So that's for sure. So it's, it's like, a note. it's not like a call or a text or whatever. Oh, they could text them too, but yeah. it just depends on your, your comfort zone. But, you know, if somebody comes to me for a $20,000 upper new smile makeover, you know, we can certainly text them, but I think it's a lot better if you send them a note. Uh-huh. But yeah, well, either way, or you can nowadays. do both. Mail nowadays, yeah. something in the mail, it's not spam. It's pretty cool. I'm sure they open it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All so, right. yeah, so I, I think that is a great thing uh that uh that is important for everybody to know especially if you're trying to kind of up your game to be in more 
comprehensive dentistry or cosmetic dentistry or implants or all on fours or things like that. Um, it's important to have good contact with the patient. All right. Uh, that's couldn't be more true. Uh, you want to talk the next point that I see is pricing. And I find this really interesting. So, yeah, he, you know, um, the author of this book um, talked about it, that if you price yourself low, you're diminishing your value in front of that person. And that pricing sometimes is an advantage, a higher price is sometimes an advantage. Mm -hmm. And so um, going to lower prices and being the advantage for prices actually can be a detriment. And, and that's especially true when it comes to fee for service practices, mm -hmm. because, you know, we can't meet the fees of what, you know, these PPOs want us to to charge. Mm -hmm. And so um, be proud of your fees. You really do have to be proud of your fees. And what I like to tell people that come to my office uh, um, and, you know, observe uh, doctors that come in to observe is that when after you present your fees to a patient, you should have in the in your head, you know, a ballpark figure of what it's going to cost. And you yes. should be able you should be able to tell them what it is. You know, this is going to be you know about four thousand dollars, Mrs. Jones. H how do you feel about that? And you need to look them right in the eye. Exactly, eyeball to eyeball, not you know looking down. Oh, Mrs. Jones, that's going to be about four thousand dollars. Like that's different than Mrs. Jones going to be about four thousand dollars. It's just yeah. It's so true. It's it, and like you can read those words, but when you speak them, you have to speak them with a certain amount of confidence, certain mm -hmm. amount of belief. I mean, that's what that's that's an invisible thing. I think too is communication and eyeball to eyeball, right? In feeling exactly feeling confident about your fees and that you're worth it. Yeah. You know, why would your fees be that if you don't feel like you're worth it? Or yeah, you like you get like done. The work, the work is worth it to the patient. Let's say yeah. you get done quickly, right? And they say, geez, doc, that's 400 bucks. You spent 20 minutes. <laughs> right? Right. But, um, you know, so that that's important is for you to feel comfortable about your fees. And the book, you know, and maybe people have heard this example before is that, you know, about Pablo Picasso, the famous artist, you know, sitting in Paris, you know, out on a cafe there and, and a woman comes up to him and says, you know, uh, Mr. Picasso, I've loved your work all along. Will you, will you draw a quick drawing of me? And so Picasso spends about three, four minutes put, putting the drawing and and um, he holds it there and and he goes, well, that'll be five thousand dollars. And she goes, five thousand dollars for five minutes. You know, how, that only took you five minutes. And, and Picasso goes, well, no, that didn't take me five minutes. It took me my whole lifetime yeah. because yeah. of what he's been doing. And it's the same thing for dentists. Yes. You know, filling doesn't take us 10, 15 minutes. But what about undergraduate? What about dental school? What about, you know, working as an associate? What about investing in a practice? What about training your team? 
you know, what about buying the best materials? You know, that's your lifetime. And so we, we should be, we should be proud of our fees. Right. A friend of mine, a friend of mine had this perfect line. Whenever they did that, he went, you think it should be more? Like, <laughs> like just like that. And, it, and that was his, his humor, his wit. It does, it does remind me of a, of a story about a, I think it was a, um, uh, what was the point that they were? They were trying to prove the same point. They had a a plane that had some problems with the engine, and they brought in one guy, and he was a thousand bucks, and he tinkered around and did this and did that, and it left, and it didn't fix the problem. And then they brought in another guy, and he was two thousand dollars, and he did something, he did something, and he and he tinkered with it and spent some time and got in deep with it, didn't fix the problem. And then they brought another guy. They said, listen, here's this guy. He's an expert in this. He's the best. They brought him in. He walked around. He asked him a bunch of questions. He looked. He listened. Had him run the engine. Walked over, tightened one screw, and left. And they said, and it was $15,000. They were like, $15,000 to tighten one screw? He said, no. It's which screw? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's knowing which screw to turn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and in the book, they give an example almost exactly like that, where a floor was creaking and they had three or four different people allowed to fix it. And they paid and, you know, one hour after they left, the floor was still creaking. And then they brought a guy in and he looked at it and walked on it back and forth. He pounded in two nails and it stopped cre uh, creaking. And, and they go, how much is that? And he goes, well... It's two dollars for the nails, but it's forty-five dollars for which nails to put where. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's true. You know, and yeah. and that's again it's something that is invisible that our patients really need. I mean, I'm sorry, our team really needs to help us. You know, bring to light is that their doctor knows what he or she's doing. And she's going to get you to a comfortable place in the most direct and 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 um, cost efficient manner, even though it may cost some money. But and they're going to stand behind their treatment and they're going to be there, you know, for you all along the way. And so that is a big value to uh, to us as doctors is to have a team that supports you and explains to patients how good the doctor they're working for is yeah that's 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 really good um yeah and if, if, if we're going to compete with these dso's and and so forth the one thing that we have is that it's our relationship with our patients because the relationships that dso's you know they hardly see the same doctor twice yeah and uh, having these relationships and having the the patient trusting the relationship, yeah. like knowing where to put the nails, um, is so important for people. Mm -hmm. I think and, that's a really good point. You know, the just the the revolving door mentality. People yeah. hear what they see. People, yeah, that's that's a good see. one. That's deep. That is, people hear what they see. And it goes along the line of, you know, first impressions to a certain extent. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, again, the author talks about when someone walks into an office, they look at what everybody's wearing. They look at the decor of the office. If you go into an attorney's office, you see big leather chairs with wooden desks and books on the wall. Then you kind of feel like, oh, I'm in the right place. That This person's, you know, knowledgeable, you know. And uh, in, when you walk into a dental office, it should feel very clean and, at least for me, and clean and friendly and, and a, a happy place. And um, mm-hmm. people see the way they interact, that your team interacts with each other, and they hopefully will know they're in the right place. And and when the doctor comes into the room, you know, I, I go over this a lot with the, the residents that come into my office that, you know, work that work with me for a couple of years is that, you know, they're younger and they're used to more casual clothing and um, their shoes, you know, they're not they don't usually have nice shoes, you know, going, you know, nice like suit type of shoes. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of do a a dress up makeover with them because when a patient, when you meet a patient, you know, they're going to look at you and what you're dressed like. And if you're young and you're not dressed professionally, they're not going to think they're going to have an initial impression of you not knowing that much. And I'm sorry just to put it that way. But when you say dress professionally, exactly and that's take that take that see. further what would that mean to you let's describe so, for me describe for me a doctor dressed professionally and a doctor dressed not professionally okay i'm i'm a bit of a, a nut about this but a doctor dressed professionally if they're male they have a shirt and a tie on and then that's what they when they work in my office that's what they have and they okay. have nice shoes on that are that are shined and they're not tattered. A, a doctor cannot work for me. And I, whatever everybody gets to choose that's going to wear scrubs that are wrinkled and just come in and, and, you know, sit there lazily and then put their cross their legs and they have Crocs on it. it to me, that's not a professional. It doesn't make you it doesn't make you distinctive, different or better in first impressions than another doctor that uh, feels that they just want to go to work comfortably all the time because they own their own practice. So but you, so the, tell, you tell me what you, what your version of that is, Sonny, because I'd like to know your, your. So animal. you say, wait, wait, so no, no, I, I will. But you said not professionally to you would be wearing Crocs. Did you say on their feet? Crocs. Wearing Crocs and Crocs. wearing scrubs. Scrubs. That aren't, that aren't, um, ironed right um and yeah i i just don't see that and not a white lab coat the other thing that has to happen is that if someone works for me they wear a white lab coat with their name on it so Mm -hmm. that they look like a doctor when they come in to talk to the patients okay for for well i could tell you what we wear but for us i do think and then the whole COVID's changed a little bit because we force people to wear different shoes in the office they were out of the office so everybody has shoes in the office couldn't take them home because of the droplets and contamination and it was a high rate of contagiousness blah 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 so for me oh our dress code is black shoes can be black sneakers but it has to be black 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing. And we have black scrubs with the office name on one side and our doctor's name on the other side. Our team likes to wear over that a black scrub jacket in the back clinical area. In the front area, they wear a black or a, I think navy, but I think it's black. Um, I, I guess I'd call it a cardigan sweater. It's a sweater, mm-hmm. but it delineates business versus clinical. I see. And, you know, if you're a female, your, your buttons are not down. You know, we don't need to see, you know, the Rocky Mountains. We don't need that, especially when someone's standing over the top of them. Um, tattoos, visible tattoos, we ask to be covered. Um, so that, that's, that's it to me that, and some people wear the covering on their hair. Some people don't, that's what we wear. And that's what I consider professional. So if we have someone that visits us, we give them the jacket, we tell them to put it on and we hope that they look better, but the shoes are, shoes are an important issue. I like the comfortable shoes. So I, I think that's where, and I, I'm. See, I'm I'm more of a I'm known as quote a basketball guy, a Syracuse guy, and it's local, so it's got to be orange, like orange sneakers, <laughs> like bright orange sneakers, and then it's it's a conversation. Everybody wants to talk about it, you know. Right. So my wife goes crazy, but I I was in the Adidas store the other day. I was like, look at these shoes; they're bright orange. And I was like, <laughs> getting two pairs of these, and one's going. I imagine they something. sell a lot of those in your part of New York, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I jumped on them, but you know, it's, but there's a reason for it, right? So I'm outside of our quorum, which is black, right? It's 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 a discussion, and it's kind of a friendly way to discuss. But they're always neat and clean. Once they get scuffed, they're gone. So I do. Yeah. I think we do pay attention to that. Well, I feel if if someone's going to talk to me about you know a ten or fifteen thousand dollar treatment plan, you know they have to look professional. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't take care of your appearance towards patients, even though you may be, you know, a skateboarder, like in San Diego, you know, you can be a skateboarder or a surfer. Um, then, um, you know, that's fine. You can do that when you're home, but when you're in the office, you look, need to look like a professional cosmetic dentist, in my opinion. And, um, that's what has been successful for me. Well, take it to the next step. If you were taken and you had people coming in for an interview, one guy shows up in uh, board shorts and a tie-dye. Another mm-hmm. guy shows up in, you know, hair that hasn't been washed in a, in a month. And, you know, a dress shirt that's not been, you know, ironed in 20 years. And, you know, some wrinkled khakis and some, you know, some dock cider shoes or some some of those versus a person who comes in in a shirt and tie and a jacket or a female, a nice professional blouse with a nice blazer. It's like you can't overdress for an interview. You can absolutely underdress. So it same goes for same goes for your profession. Yeah. And that, as you know, that's, that's what I would be looking for. Um, you know, it, it shows that you, you're considering, considering who you're going to see and you yeah. respect them. And to me, I think, uh, it tells our patients that we respect them by dressing professionally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I fully agree. 
Okay. Keeping it moving. Always, we always owe our patience. Fascinating. That was a big, that was a a big section. You know, holding on to what we've got, you know, nurturing our patients and keeping our patients. You know, we always owe them. And, you know, the book talks about when you give somebody, when you're selling a service, they don't have anything tangible to take. Um, they're giving you their money, hoping that your service is going to satisfy their need. And and we always owe them to make sure that we live up to what we tell them. And that um, even after they've, you know, we've given them the service and they're happy, you know, you have to thank them because I, I always tell, you know, the, the team members that come to my office that I always have this paranoia in the back of my head. And I know that these patients can go somewhere else and pay less. Mm-hmm. And so we have to always impress them with the things we talked about earlier in this podcast, but we always have to be thankful that they come back to us because I know they can go somewhere and, and get some, and, and, supposedly save money but um we have to give them more and we have to be of value to them and so in my opinion we always owe them something and we owe them a big thank you for coming back all the time Mm -hmm. and for sending their their friends in and so uh because we don't have an insurance company that's sending patients in all the time uh because we're not you know with any ppos or in network with anything so I'm sure you feel the same way about your practice and your patients and the value provide them. Yeah. Owing them always. Yeah. And you, you and you also you talk about under promise over deliver. Never mm-hmm. go the other way. I, I had a situation just well today's Sunday, so two days ago. Patient had we had made her we had to take some teeth out, so we made her a flipper. And then she had a prior flexible partial that she loved, so she just wanted a new one to replace them. So I said, okay. So she paid, she wanted the flipper. She didn't want to wait or try an immediate flipper. She wanted it healed. So we went that route. So she paid a little extra. We made her the, the, the flexible partial. She had it for a month. She was biting something small, and it was three anterior teeth on the lower, and they just came out of the partial. Never seen that happen, right? So she calls, obviously disgruntled and irate. I paid a lot of money. Is this cheap? Blah, 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 blah. My my team was great. They were like, no, we'll make it right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll make it right. She came in and she looked at me. I said, she said, I looked at her. I said, I heard about this. And then I looked at it. I said, I've never seen this before. We will fix this and I will make you another brand new one. So in the end, you're going to have two. Because you had to deal with this. You can go back to your flipper, but, you know, we're just, we're going to make it right. The lab is going to fix whatever happened with this, but we're also going to make another one. And I haven't seen it happen. So, you know, so now she feels like she's getting a little something extra and she is, but truth is you tell the lab, Hey, my patient's been, you know, mishandled here. You need to make me another one. So it's just customer service. It really is. And, and again, in the book, and, and I, I know you haven't read the book, but you're doing what the book says. 
and I think you're doing the right thing is the main thing. That's, that that's one of our core values. Having something, sometimes having something bad go wrong <laughs> with a patient and the way you fix it can make them more emotionally attached to you than if some if if everything went perfect. Mm-hmm. And and you did exactly that. You know, that yeah, they lost the teeth off the partial, but you're you're fixing that and you're making them a new one. And so that's something that they're going to appreciate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like our relationships with our wives and our kids and anybody you care for, there's an emotional bank account with our patients. And so we always have to be aware of that. And if we develop this emotional bank account, like you did with this patient, they're going to, they're going to at least come back to you and listen and, and forgive you, you know, Mm -hmm. because that, but if they've always been treated poorly and things have always broken, um, you know, they, they may they may be out the door, and that's why we really need to thank our patients. You know, is because they support our 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 lives. They really do. Yeah, you talk about gratitude, and that's that's a that's a real important thing that goes right hand in hand with owing your patients and not losing track of that. Correct. And, uh, the value of the existing patient. I know we all want to, everybody wants to talk about, Hey, how can you get more new patients? I need more new patients, blah, blah, blah. How about taking care of the patients that you have had the honor of serving for X amount of years? You can't lose that. You know, that's, that's the one thing like with the cable company, I'll give you a perfect example. Five offices. We have five different cable bills with the exact same cable services from the exact (laughs) same company. And I'm like, how is this possible? Well, that means you signed up at different points. Yeah, but just fix it. Make it one. Make them all the same so that I believe that you guys have some integrity as a company. Oh, no, 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 we we can't do that. So you want me to drop the cable and then wait for another offer because you value new customers more than your existing customers? Because that's the message that they tell you. Right. And, you know, I happen to have a couple so I can compare. I don't have to ask my neighbor and he can't tell me, oh, I did this and that. No, I got the exact same plan. So so what do we do? We drop them all. And we just go streaming now. I'm like, I'm done with you people. Yeah, no, that, it's sometimes a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Sometimes yeah. it, it's a good thing. But, you know, we, we had a uh, computer conversion in, in the year 2000. And so I'll go in to do a recall exam. And I know the patient has been in my practice longer than that. So, so they have notes from before 2000 that are paper charts. Yeah. But that just indicates to me how long they've been. And so part of my discussion is to thank them for being a patient for so long. Yeah. You know, that you know, that really means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. And and I'm so thankful that you're you've come here, and uh, we enjoy treating you. And then they usually say the same thing back, and so it's great to have that mutual relationship and not forget that these patients that always have come back to you may not need anything at this moment, but you know have supported you through your career. You, you talk a little bit, and they talked must have talked a little bit about gratuity or thank you notes for mm-hmm. that. Is that something yeah. you guys incorporate? Uh, only in terms of new patients, I have to be honest. But 
I, verbally, we thank people a lot. And every time I do something, I thank them for letting me help them, yeah. you know, but in the book, it says, Hey, you know, um, how many thank you notes did you send out last year? It, it asked the readers and, and says, well, double that next year, you know, because right. you really do need to be thanking people. You know, it's interesting, Nathan Hull, and he has a guy, Mike Abernathy, that he's used as a consultant and he talks, and he talks about a little note that they put in the rooms that he sends out the at the end of the day. And we started doing that. We fell off a little bit, but it's it could be any patient at any time for any reason. And it's a nice little hand, quick handwritten note. And and it might be like, hey, it was a pleasure seeing you today. I've always appreciated seeing you. And they usually add something in there about if there's anybody you know that can benefit from what we do, let me know, what have you, which I struggle with that component of it. But mm-hmm. I do like the other part. And it might be something like, hey, good luck in your game. It was great seeing you today. You know, I know that the other team plays a lot of zone. Good luck, you know, or something <laughs> something related to that appointment that's personal. And it takes maybe 30 seconds, but it takes a discipline to do it. So it you're right. You have to double up, you know. And that's why, I mean, I think – in terms of, you know, actual physical notes, you know, we're not like that big on it, but, you know, that also comes across in your communication to your patients via text. And I'm so thankful for texts because, you know, our girls write such nice, friendly texts that aren't just to the point, like come in at 8 a.m. They, they have this great way of speaking to people in a friendly way and it's more words than i definitely would have used but you know in the book they talk about well what is the tone of everything you send out of your office and the tone should be happiness niceness and gratitude perfect perfect way to wrap up let's uh let me ask you one last final point on the book if you took away one screaming theme that any of us can use at any point in our career, new, young, old, doesn't matter. What would, what would that be? I would say, you know, as dentists, we know why we're doing things, how we're doing things and how it is best for the patient is that we need to take time to explain that to our team so they understand why we're doing it. Because when they know why we're doing it and how it's better and how much time we spent analyzing the different ways of doing what we do, whatever that might be distinctive, they have a respect for us and they have that amazing talent of um, bringing it to the patient so the patient knows. Because as you know, and everybody knows, when a team member says something, you know, patients believe it sometimes more than they believe the doctor because there's no ulterior motives. But I I was very negligent of that in terms of, you know, me trying to be minimally invasive in my dentistry and that I, you know, learning that, learning those techniques, but I wasn't ever showing it to the front office. And the front office was so thankful when I when I showed it to them. And then when I hear them talking about it to patients, I'm so thankful for that too, because 
all the little things add up to be a success. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the one thing I would tell people is tell your team why you're doing it and why it's best. So they respect you and then they communicate that to your patients. So that goes one more step to what you also talked about was education and training. So you can never, mm-hmm. can never do too much. So I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out to me, David. I appreciate you very much. And uh, I think this was a great, a great summary. And uh, you get something else. Let me know. Be another great. No, for sure. But, you know, I also have to express my gratitude to you and to the podcast and to the Facebook group, because, you know, us dentists that, you know, want to give our patients the best and see a fee for service as the best way to do that. We need to communicate and spread the word because, um, we, we just cannot become a commodity. And, I, and I'm and i so thankful that you are doing that and that the group is doing that because I think it's a, it's a great gift to, to dentistry and to patients. So thank you for what you do. You're welcome. My pleasure. And keep in mind, we're shooting to do something hopefully this year in terms of a, a kind of a get together of the group, like a symposium. Oh, wow. So we've been trying to get this off the ground. Got a lot of people behind it. So I'm pretty excited about it. So that's a stay tuned message. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And, you know, look for UCLA and San Diego State to do well in the March Madness next month, too. UCLA, baby. My Syracuse <laughs> team. I don't want to talk about them right now, but we'll talk to UCLA. <laughs> All right. Have a good All one. Right. Thank, Thank you, Sonny. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.